0: May I very much welcome you all here today to Aura After all, i welcome you in a very special year for women, 2018, the centenary of women winning a qualified franchise and indeed our meeting today is to further acknowledge the contribution of women in a very particular way, not only to our independence. I think one of the great advantages of the 1916 and other years commemorations was to acknowledge the role of women who were taking out of the shadows of history and I must say as well in the last few years meeting a huge new community of female historians and historiographers is, has just been a great experience. But uh, women have contributed not just to our independence but to the, our culture, our society and our economy and very particularly uh, all of our exercises to undo the marginalisation of women. It's also 50 years since the great civil rights revolutions, and the great human rights revolutions of 1968. So your presence here this evening is particularly to celebrate the contribution of women entrepreneurs to our society uh, and our economy, and also recognising the immense importance of your contribution towards the future of work, economy, society and culture. August Mehina bin a temple more himp vimarana tokalesh na her father to shosh shomra glesnerem six sole gnolak te the lafya akses mauer kan spreak ul iten talen fyntre tak forward at hostet force in our tear i must say as well and one of the reasons as i was preparing today looking through the names of the companies which are creative in themselves but also <coughs> <coughs> uh, And the thought occurred to me, because I'm also working on a paper I will give at at the ILO conference in Geneva very shortly, how how suitable everything that you're doing is to the project of sustainability. And it fits so well into it, and also into what I believe is essential, the renegotiation of the work-life balance in so many different ways and different cultures. On pasang, as I'm at that, I might as well congratulate Nora Casey, who has just returned from India after receiving Woman of the Decade Award from the Women's Economic Forum. And already, Sabine and I unveiled a project earlier this week, and we once again so delighted that the legendary Anna McHugh was with us again. And uh, because, of course, gathered here are people who are not only entrepreneurs in the, in the world of commerce, but entrepreneurs in health and social entrepreneurs and so on. But I, I realise as well, in preparing what I had to say, that I was speaking to those who've already... Uh, achieve great success, people of talent and extraordinary skill and indeed patience too I'm sure in achieving their success, often against the tide. For the success of Ireland's indigenous economy, the continued development of entrepreneurship is absolutely vital, but it's also a critical factor in job creation. In responding to economic challenges and in finding, as I have just said, sustainable solutions to overcoming social exclusion. Last year, Sabine and I got, had uh, hosted a, a similar gathering to this for women in the fields of science and technology, and I did so because we were both deeply concerned by the fact that women were greatly underrepresented in the higher levels of science and technology with an estimated six to seven percent of technical positions across Europe being filled by women. And this was at the same time as, in fact, I was opening often the, the Young Scientist exhibition and seeing some, something I very much welcome, and that is girls were taking science in the second level. Science is such an important and influential discipline. And one which has a pivotal role to play in the great concerns of humanity in our time, and one which has the potential to make the greatest contribution to improving our world. And yes, it is welcome that so many girls are now taking science, but as careers are interrupted for family or social reasons, so many considerations prevent career resumption at an appropriate level. And that was the issue I was trying to address when I met so many of them afterwards: is that it makes no sense at all that one would not be able to resume one's career and continue to make a contribution for which one is so for well qualified. But now. I must say as well, the year that's in it, there have been throughout our history courageous women who raised their voices, insisted on being heard, amongst them brilliant scientists, and in so doing they changed the world. That is why we must ask ourselves, why are we losing so many women in science at the advanced level I speak of, and why is it that society is being denied the intellectual contribution of so many who could be, but are not in the world of science? In Ireland, as across the world, the exclusion of women has led to the impoverishment of our public policy and our body politic, and resulted in too many lives which were not allowed to achieve their potential merely because of their gender, which is a tragedy. It isn't that women only lose, it is that society loses, everyone loses, and a defining change in how the international community addresses issues of equality can be seen in the way the relative position of women in society and women's rights are now conceptualized as a universal rights issue. Gender equality is now being recognised as a central concern at a global level not just in the areas traditionally associated with the women's rights movement but these gender equality concerns have been stitched into the core fabric of international agreements that go to the heart of our future existence on this planet, no more so than the Sustainable Development Goals which were agreed in New York in 2015. Sabina's wearing the badge there at the Sustainable Development Goals, which she disseminates to everybody. (laughs) Now, we we must all rejoice, women and men and children, uh, uh, at the fact that gender equality was tackled in that agreement, both as a transverse solution and as a specific goal. Goal number five, which calls on all nations of the world to achieve gender equality and empower all women and girls. That's a very overdue admission in my view, that the exclusion of women damages all of society, forfeits a a vital source of intelligence, a form of discourse that is valuable, inclusive and collegiate. Because my experience, nationally and internationally, is that there is a huge difference in the manner in which decisions are arrived at, different whether women are participating or not. And it actually changes as the proportion of women involved in the decision rises. It's one thing to tackle inequality, but quite another, of course, to change sometimes ingrained practices and attitudes that serve to perpetuate a pattern where women are less empowered or less well represented than their male colleagues and while this has been recognized to some extent in the world of political representation there still is a long way to go there was a significant achievement between 2011 and now but there is a long way to go but there's an even longer distance i think to go in the corporate world uh, and it has to be addressed and it isn't only the occupancy of senior posts and posts of decision making in which female participation has to increase the culture of decision making at all levels both state and corporate would benefit from greater female participation, both in the achievement of results and the atmosphere, as I have said, created in necessary dialogue and the achievement of consensus. I think I, I lis- went and listened at the Royal Irish Academy in go to a very, very senior Irish woman in the European Commission speaking about how one of the difficulties was that some of the commissioners would decide that they would discuss the detail of the choices in the decision in the sauna. And therefore putting an in you like to sauna conferences that were all male was part of the idea of including uh, people of both genders in the, de- in the decision. So it is, I think, at a most basic level, women's rights were to the fore last year, for example, of public discourse. And of course, it concentrated on sexual abuse and harassment in the workplace. At least these matters were being openly discussed and confronted across a range of high-profile sectors, including the film industry, politics, and the, and, and the media. And as somebody who had responsibility for film at one stage, I must say myself, I was just shocked, I have to say, because it was, above all else, abuse an abuse of power and position. But we shouldn't have had to come to such a pass for women's voices to be heard on these issues and the demands for change in behaviour and attitudes. They must be, continue to be progressed for the benefit of all society and at all institution uh, levels in every sector. And this centenary year is a year, uh, it's worth paying tribute I think, to the women who uh, wouldn't accept a world where they were considered of less importance. There's a great, uh, uh, there's a great editorial over the years when Constance Markovic and her sister Eva, one became president of the Franchise League in Sligo, and the other became secretary and in one of the most fashionable magazines in England there was an editorial, guess what the girls are up to and so forth. They weren't dissuaded as we as we know. And these women, such as, Con- as Constance Markovic, and particularly Eva Gore-Booth, who happens also to have been so well served by a brilliant female historian, Dr. Sonia Tiernan, they were so important. She was so important, Eva particularly, as the voice of working classes in Manchester and across the United Kingdom. Eva Boot's legacy lives on in many ways, and we can see it too in the continued and growing support for International Women's Day, which we celebrate in February. International Women's Day was an initiative of the international labour movement back at the start of the century, It started in the American trade union movement uh, in 1909, precisely because the labour movement understood that workers' rights and women's rights go hand in hand. It was true then, and it remains true today. And then, for this hundred years that we've been celebrating as an independent Irish state, we didn't exactly... Uh, spring out of the traps, as it were, in relation to wanting to emulate the experience of Constance Markovic. I think we had to wait 60 years for a second woman to be appointed to an Irish government after 1919, which wasn't exactly rushing things. (laughs) And then, uh, again, I remember many years ago reading about the debate, for example, on the Constitution in 1937, where Uh, people where we got clauses uh, which excluded women from full participation. But today, women uh, continue to face barriers in many areas of modern life, including the right to full and equal participation in the labour market. (coughs) And these barriers include a widening gender pay gap, a lack of affordable childcare, an absence of real flexibility in many workplaces to enable women to to fully reach their professional potential. We also know that while much more could be done to support and assist women who are considering returning to work after Briggs for child rearing, there is, of course, a vigorous debate now on the forms of economy that will prevail in a society that is ever more technological. The best of that work, and I've been looking at it in preparation, I've been invited by the ILO to give the lecture this year in Geneva, uh, and, and I am very much taken by that. Uh, by the best of the work recognises that work itself recognises needs to be redefined. How, for example, can you in 2018 suggest that anyone that is involved in caring is not, in fact, involving in work of the most important and serious kind? How about... And this is something that is not about children only. It is about right through the life cycle. And also serious good economics is now telling us uh, something else. is that the the life-work balance issue is not a residual in economic planning. It is, in fact, as you run out of jobs as you're required to change different forms of skill profile through life uh, and others. It's actually at the core of the new economics and I'm absolutely convinced that women will in fact give a lead in defining that future form of the economy and of the, life ba- and of the life-work and the life balance. It's invaluable work, it's work that can't be avoided. And then when it comes to entrepreneurship, I think the best of the work, I think the work, uh, that's really... What will give us a cohesive society? And when it comes to entrepreneurship here in Ireland, women make up about 20% or 1 in 5 of all Ireland's entrepreneurs. Now, research would suggest that while Ireland has all the right conditions for businesses owned and led by women to thrive, motivation and self-belief continues to be a significant limiting factor. And it does tell you something, I think, as well. I say this in the presence of you, really, here, is that uh, very often uh, women have had to start their own companies to get recognition. For a very high level of skill and creativity, and uh, and so on. And in in many ways, uh, there is a lassitude that comes with assuming that because you are of a particular gender, that you are automatically gifted for uh, a sole leadership of companies. <laughs> and I think the OECD and the European Commission have stated that while Ireland has a supportive regulatory environment for entrepreneurship, very much more can be done to support women entrepreneurs through tech. Tact- the gaps in access to services and in social protection and this includes as I've said increasing the availability of childcare obviously also providing additional support for women who who seek to develop and grow their businesses and I hope you all use the opportunity we have this evening of networking with each other you are paving the way providing inspiring role models for the many other women in this country who have the talent to set up successful businesses Women who create employment, export opportunities, and a working environment that is supportive uh, of other women. A hundred years ago, uh, Hannah Sheehy Kevington had to smash a window uh, in order to highlight a gross inequity in our society. And many women today find themselves still confronted by glass ceilings in their places of work, uh, ceilings that deny them full recognition, deny them access to the same promotion opportunities, pay and respect that is accorded to their male counterparts. And as a country that aspires to be a true democracy republic, we owe a very great debt of gratitude to women like yourselves, who, as I've said, have often had to swim against the tide, who continue to break down barriers and overcome obstacles that prevent women from being equal participants in all aspects of society. And I do want to thank and commend you for that. And I want to thank the staff of Enterprise Ireland, for example, for helping my own staff in organising this evening. But I thank each and every one of you for your entrepreneurial spirit, your determination and your vision, which have helped not only build your own success stories, but are also contributing to Irish society. And your willingness to innovate and take chances and turn dreams into realities are a greatly inspiring example of the qualities that are necessary in all areas of our shared lives, if we're to craft together a future of hope and possibility. And I do say to all of you that by 2050, 40% of all those humans alive on the planet will live on the continent of Africa. Do please be available, where if there is to be hope of sustainability and response to climate change in Africa, 1.2 billion extra young people the more and more I look at it, every positive indicator we have is coming from women's participation on that continent. And they are, if and right, like, so necessary that we'll be able to leap over the barriers with science and technology to achieve sustainability in their own way. I have said enough, really. I want to say, Sfidhar La Sochia of this Rahul Hogar A successful entrepreneurial society built on creativity and excellence and carrying the full participation of women can generate a range of social, personal, and economic benefits which are so important as we look forward to building a sustainable. And ethical foundation for our shared futures on a vulnerable planet and Sabine and I were therefore delighted that so many of you took the opportunity of joining us and we want to acknowledge and celebrate your contribution to both economic and social dimensions of society. Thank you for being with us today and I so both of us want to wish you health success and happiness not just only in one what you're doing with others, but in your own lives into the future. Mila Mark.